cue fake podcast music. Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan murder, mysteries, histories, and other random mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. All right, Jen. Oh, usually this is where I talk to you like, oh, what do you want to talk about? But the one thing I want to say is people have asked me like, oh, are you nervous about doing a podcast? Or, you know, people are always critical. Does that bother you? And I was like, no, 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 that bothers me. But there are times I do feel nervous. Like when someone that I know but don't know very well is like, I'm going to listen to your podcast. Like, oh, shit, they're going to hear a lot of F-bombs. <laughs> Maybe they're going to look at me differently or they're going to have me, you know, hear me talk about vaginas or something. I'm going to get all nervous. <laughs> so that is a time in which I feel nervous. And then um, the other day, just looking at some comments on Facebook where people were putting down like, oh, I don't like that podcast. I don't like the way they do this or I don't like that. Just looking at other people get critiqued was yeah. made me nervous. And then one time I'm listening to a podcast and the presenter's like, oh, you know, unlike other podcasts, we're not going to chit chat or do any sidetracks. And I was just like, but, but. <laughs> I just thought, why are we going to be mean to each other? And I, I went from never being nervous to like a little nervous. I'm never nervous. No? No. And it doesn't bother me when people critique us. Yeah. I mean, I listen to it. And yeah. It's either, like I had that one critique that right. I didn't give enough information. You do. Right. I don't. That's just how our podcast is. Right. And a story. <laughs> right. You don't like it, then that's fine. Yeah. I, you know, we can... I'm willing to go start listening at 2, 30 minutes, right. you know, and you'll hear Allie. When we, heard a, when we had a couple hundred listens, I was like, oh, wow, people are listening. But then when a few thousand, I'm like, oh, my gosh, people are listening. <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. nervous whatsoever. So what are, you, what are you talking about today? I'm ready now. Okay. I told you all about my nervous stuff. Okay. I have two. They're short today. Okay. And they will be a continuing uh, follow because okay. they're ongoing. One was in Buffalo, New York. Zelda Cotton called 911 to get information on how to kill her boyfriend. Now, was she looking for like the best way or yes. so she's looking for yeah, the she best? She had tried a few things. Oh. From my understanding, which okay. I have written down, and those weren't working. So, what had she previously tried that failed? So you want me to tell you my please, whole story now? Please do, actually. This is so great. Please do. In Buffalo, New York, yeah. Zelda Cotton, 54 years old. Oh, wow. Yep. I thought she would be a young I person. I know, right? Yeah, wait till you find out how old her uh, boyfriend is. Okay. Calls 911 to get information on how to kill her boyfriend. When police arrived at the scene, she told police that she hit him five times with a VCR tape. I had to read it three times. I'm a like, VCR tape? Yeah, she tried to. Of course, you're not going to kill somebody with a VCR tape. Maybe like a VCR machine five times to the head. <laughs> and she was. She also said that she was swinging a leaf blower battery at him. I don't, I've never seen a leaf blower battery. It's hard for me to get I have it. one, oh, so I can one? show you. Show me later. Show me. Could it kill a man? No. Okay. Well, I guess you could knock him out, maybe. Okay. She was found intoxicated and was oh. taken into custody. A drunk or crazy are her two options. So, I didn't know how old her boyfriend was. Okay. I found this out after I found out what she was charged with. Because she was charged. So, I'm going to tell you what she was charged with. Then I'm going to go back and tell you how old her boyfriend was. 
She is being charged with possession of a weapon and endangering the welfare of an elderly person. Oh, crap. How old is he? <laughs> Her boyfriend's 76 years old. Dang. And he wasn't hurt. Like, the leaf blower thing in the PCRT was fine. <laughs> so she doesn't have very good aim? Because I was like, she's either drunk or crazy, so the answer well, was drunk. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think that the VCR tape would do anything. Okay. And then the, um, so that's all we have right now. It's ongoing. <laughs> so I have to follow it. Um, old people like to rumble too, Jen. <laughs> but I was like, I didn't know how old she was either at the time. But well, when you like, told me that, I first imagined like a young retarded person or something, like a young stupid teen. I um didn't, uh, I didn't know her age until later on in the article either. So I was like, whoa. You're like, I'm like, sorry, what's how going old? on here? You know, and what, what age, now I'm interested, like what age does a person have to be for it to be an elderly crime? And I just feel like now it's even worse. Like you could have beat up, you know, a 30 year old and that was fine. Now it's, this is big. You did an elderly person. Right. Like it's double I, Maybe bad. elderly is anything over 55 when you're considered a senior. I don't know. Yeah, I just, I, made, I just pulled it out of my ass. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The other story I have is a teacher's aide who is accused of, Molesting a seven-year-old student and allegedly hires a hitman to kill the student. So this teacher molests a seven-year-old. Is this a boy or a girl? Um, I don't think they... The teacher's a boy or a girl. Oh, I'm sorry. The teacher's a man. So the teacher, the male teacher, molests a seven-year-old and then hires a hitman to snuff out their life so they don't tell on him? Yeah. So he, here we go. Okay. I'll tell you the story. We're doing this all backwards today. You I don't care. I... <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me. I need to know what's happening. <laughs> I like to stick with the schedule. All right. Sorry. So, no, it's fine. In April 2019, Dante Taylor, a teacher's aide in St. Louis, and his accomplished Michael Johnson, which is actually come to find out Dante's boyfriend, oh, pleaded not guilty to sodomy charges and conspiracy to commit murder. This case actually dates back to 2015 when he was accused of molesting the student who is now 10 years old. Because you'll see on Facebook wow. and news articles, they say 10-year-old. But when it, it happened, he wasn't 10. But when it happened, it was 7 years old. The kid was 7. Okay. There were no charges filed at the time, but in November 2018, a DNA test, those damn DNA tests, found the samples from the student were a match to Dante Taylor. While in jail, um, Dante Taylor and Michael Johnson are said to have attempted to hire a hitman to kill the student. So I got confused, because I say that a lot, because I'm always <laughs> confused. Like, so they talk about, you know, Dante. He was the one that was charged... You know, that molested, yes. supposedly, allegedly, this child. I don't know where his boyfriend came into play. I thought, when you're reading the article, you think, okay, he he tried to get Michael okay. to, you know, kill this kid. Right. But then as you read more articles, there's not that much information. It's On new. how the boyfriend is involved? Yeah. But they're you find out okay they're trying to hire a hitman when they're both in jail. Oh, you what know? was Michael in jail for? Do you know? 
they they both have the same the same charges from what I understand. But oh. so, so maybe they both molested them. Maybe, but mm. only Dante's DNA. Maybe Dante's the only one that. I don't know. Okay, I'm like I don't, I don't know, but yeah. it bothers me. Like I I searched and searched yeah. trying to. Well, they try to protect kids' info. That's why it's so hard. Yeah, I don't want the kids' kids. info. I want their info. Yeah, well, what they did. Michael involved. Yeah, well, then you'd have to say what he did to the kid. And that's why it's hard to find. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So, those were my two stories, which we're going to follow up on. Okay. I have three stories. They're kind of short, but I was um, reading these books, and one talked about this John Doe that was really interesting in Michigan. And when I tried to find him, when you don't have their name, it's hard to track down. So I came up with a few stories. Not the one I wanted, but a few other ones. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, on May 24th, 1989, a man was walking along the interstate in Ashley County, Arkansas. A semi-driver didn't see him and struck the man, killing him instantly. The man didn't have any ID on him and was listed as a John Doe. Later in 2009, when um, DNA became available, the deceased man had his genetic information uploaded into various databases. <clears throat> In Michigan in 1986, Charles Chuck Cornell was living in Battle Creek, Michigan. He had served four years in the Army, and he'd recently celebrated his 30th birthday with his mom and his sister. And after his birthday celebration, Chuck lost touch with his family. After months of not hearing from her son, Chuck's mother, Hattie Cornell, and his sister, Susan, drove from Rockford to Battle Creek. And they weren't able to find Chuck at his apartment, and to them, his home looked like it had been vandalized and abandoned. So they decided to call the police. Battle Battle Creek Police at the time did not create a report for the vandalism. And they failed to file the missing persons report. So they basically filled it out but but never entered it into the system. In May of 2016, the women found out that the missing persons complaint that they tried to open in the 1980s was never filed. Wow. So yeah, I'd they. Be oh yeah. Well, they go to follow up like, hey, have you ever heard anything? And they're like, well, we don't have anything. Oh, they were pissed from that time that they went there and said, I think the place was vandalized. I think he's missing. The police literally didn't do any anything for them. So, in June 2016, a detective took DNA samples from Hattie and Susan, and their DNA was uploaded into CODIS, the Combined DNA Index System. And they both were matched to their missing family member, John Doe, in Arkansas. Oh. Yes. So in December 2016, 27 years after he died, that he was identified as their brother. Hmm. Now, I just was thinking about in 2009, when they uploaded the data from the, the John Doe, they could have found out then, you know, seven years earlier, yeah. 20 years after he was missing, if they would have, if the Battle Creek police had just filed their paperwork and done what they were supposed to. Yeah. That's sad. That is sad. So I have another one. May 8th, 2002 in Grand Haven, Michigan in Ottawa County, a blueberry farmer found a footlocker on his property and inside there were the burnt remains of, they could tell he was either Hispanic or white. What's a footlocker? Um, you've never seen like, like they're the little lockers and they would go at the end of your bed. I always think of them. Oh, like, like a chest? Yeah, I always think of like army footlockers that you see in the um, okay. military. And they could tell he was either Hispanic or white. The local police nicknamed him Jack because his body was close to the field's border that shares with the Jack in the Box. Uh, medical examiners were able to determine that he had been killed by blunt force trauma. He was then set on fire after being transported to the field. And he had expensive dental work that was done at least 10 years before his death. 
the type of dental work pointed to the dental care being performed in the southern United States or Mexico. He also had clothing that originated from Southern California. He was of average height and he was fairly healthy before his death. The police believed that due to the condition of the crime scene, more than one person was involved in the murder because there weren't any drag marks or scuff marks. It was just like set down. Mm -hmm. And there's no way one person carried the dead body yeah. off, right? So it also had the rain that morning and most of the trace evidence was washed away. Even tire tracks, things they would have tried to use. Mm -hmm. So there was this documentary that was created by Hope College, which is in Michigan, in 2005 regarding the unsolved murder. And a person with information regarding the case saw the movie that like same month that it comes out. The anonymous tipster contacted Ottawa County Sheriff Stephen Kempker, Kempker, I think his name is. They exchanged emails and phone calls, which led the police to Robert Carabello from Charlotte, Michigan. I'm sorry, I said Robert, but his name is Roberto. Okay. So Roberto was 37 years old at the time of the disappearance. Mm -hmm. The three people who were implicated in murder or in um, April 2019 were Roberto's wife, 58-year-old Beverly McCallum. Always wife. Oh, if it's not the husband, it's yeah. the wife. Oh, yeah. Her daughter, 38-year-old. Now, she spells her name very weirdly. Um, D-I-N-E-A-N-E. -E. Dina? Dina? Yeah. Deanna? I don't mm -hmm. know. We're going to call her D. And D's friend, 40-year-old Christopher McMillan. It's believed that they conspired together and killed Roberto in the basement of a home on Horatio Street in Charlotte. Roberto and his wife, Beverly, both lived in Charlotte at the time. And it's unclear as to why they decided to dump Roberto's body in a blueberry field in Grand Haven. They don't know why, how they came to that conclusion. Yeah. Beverly, Dee, and Christopher are being charged with homicide, conspiracy to commit homicide, mutilation of a dead body, and disinterment. Now, disinterment is when... Like, I kill you, I bury you out in the backyard, then I dig you back up and bury you in the front yard. So, did they have him buried before he was in the footlocker? I couldn't find any info on that, but that's what disinterment is, so. Maybe it's because they put him in the footlocker. Yeah. So, so that's considered burying, burying him. And then they move that footlocker to another location. And that's like disinterment? Yeah. Yeah, so Dee and Christopher were taken into custody by police in Texas. Beverly, Roberto's wife, is out of the country, presumably in Pakistan, and authorities are working to extradite her back to the U.S. to stand trial. So I was like, eee. Yeah. And my last one is this, a teenager. So Andrew Jackson Greer was last seen walking out of Addison High School in Addison, Michigan, on February 12, 1979. You weren't even born yet, were you? No. Willow child. <laughs> he had run away from home. And his cold case was picked up by Lenawee County Sheriff's Department in 2000, but they weren't able to make any advancements. February 14th, 1979, a boy was struck and killed by a semi-driver while he was walking along Interstate 75 near Macon, Georgia. Yeah, I think it's Macon or Mason. Mason, I think. It's M-A-C-O-N. I think it's Mason. So Mason I don't it is. Know. Without any identification, the body was listed as a John Doe and he was given, um, he was buried in a pauper's grave. But I just want to say, I don't know how, if the 70s were extra dangerous for people walking, but that's the second semi-driver in like between the late 70s and the late 80s that hit and killed somebody walking along the road. Well, and there's a lot of people walking along the highway. Yeah, not that I recall. Not here in Michigan, you don't see too many people no. on the side of the... Yeah. Not, not anymore. 
So here's the part I couldn't find details for. And I, I looked over and over again. And they used, you know, the one article said he connected the dots. Another one said that he put information together. But it didn't say how he connected the dots or what information he had. So this, a retired Bibb County Sheriff in Alabama made a connection between Andrew Greer from Missing from Addison, Michigan, to the John Doe in Georgia in 1979. He made this connection in 2017, 37 years after the teenager dies. So I couldn't find how he made the connection. Like yeah, I said. How do you have a connection? There is nothing. I don't know. And at first I thought, oh, DNA? But no, or maybe he did it through another way because... The John Doe's body was exhumed in Georgia, and DNA samples were taken then. So there were no DNA samples of the John Doe out there. So how did anybody... I don't know. I could not find out. Trust me, I looked. DNA samples were also taken from Andrew's mom compared to the John Doe, and they proved a conclusive match. His family found the moment really bittersweet. You know, they were talking about how they'd missed him for almost 40 years Mm -hmm. now, but at least they have some type of closure on him. Yeah, so those are my... I was looking for a John Doe that died in Plymouth, Michigan, and I ended up with all this. What really got me there was the two semi-drivers running over different people yeah. on the side of the expressway. I just thought that was weird. And that both people don't have ID on them at that time. I'm going to get my nut. I don't. I'm afraid of needles and never wanted a tattoo, but I think I'm going to tattoo my name on my body just in mm. case. I told Ariana she turns 18 in a few months same month as your son and uh i told her we'll go get tattoos when she turns 18 i can't i'm such a sissy but i feel like i need my name tattooed in case i'm like murdered and dumped naked somewhere i also god help the person that finds me i have several tattoos and every now and then i quiz your brother on different tattoos i have because i was like if you don't have them memorized it doesn't help when they find my dead body you have to be like she has a butterfly tattooed behind her ear Yes, you know, I'm like, you got to be able to do these things, Michael. There's a dragon on her back. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sure he's just thrilled being married to me. That's all I can say. <laughs> You've been listening to Michigan Another Mayhem with Allie. And Jen. Connect with us at michiganandothermayhem.com to join the conversation, listen to the podcast, access show notes, find site links, or correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Anchor, and YouTube. Bye-bye now.